Section 56 of Canada, South America, Central America, Mexico, and the West Indies. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Devorah Allen. The World Story, Volume 11. Canada, South America, Central America, Mexico, and the West Indies. Edited by Ava March Tappan. Section 56. The Stolen Child of the Inca, Before 1532. By Sir Clements R. Markham. Beautiful Princess Mackay had been promised in marriage to the chief of the Ayamarcas, but her father finally gave her hand to the Inca Roca, of the tribe of the Wylacans. On this account, war arose between the two tribes. The Wylacans at length begged for peace. This was granted, but with a secret understanding that they would steal Cusihualpa, the little son and heir of the Inca Roca, and deliver him up to Tokay Capac, chief of the Ayamarcas. The story had been handed down from the time before the coming of the Pizarro. The Editor In accordance with the agreement, a treacherous plot was laid. An earnest request was sent to the Inca that his heir, the son Cusihualpa, might be allowed to visit his mother's relations, so as to become acquainted with them. Quite unsuspicious, the Inca consented, and sent the child, who was then about eight years of age, to Miku Cancha, or Paupu, the chief place of the Wylacans, with about twenty attendants. The young prince was received with great festivities, which lasted for several days. It was summer-time. The sun was scorching, and the child passed his time in a veranda or trellis-work, called Arapa, covered with bright flowers. One day it was announced that the whole tribe must march to some distance to harvest the crops. As it was still very hot, the Wylican chief insisted that the young prince should remain in the shade, and not accompany the harvesters, who had to go a considerable distance under the blazing sun. The prince's attendants consented, and all the tribe, old and young, boys and girls, marched up the hills to the harvesting, singing songs with choruses. All was bright sunshine, and their highly, or harvest song, was in praise of the shade. Seek the shadow, seek the shade, hide us in the blessed shade. Ya-ha-ha-ha, ya-ha-ha. Where is it? Where, where, oh where? Here it is, here, here, oh here. Ya-ha-ha-ha, ya-ha-ha. Where the pretty cantut blooms, Footnote, flocks, end of footnote, where the chihuahua's flower smiles. Footnote, thrush, chihuahua is a calceolaria, end of footnote, where the sweet amonkey droops. Footnote, amaryllis aurea, end of footnote, yahahaha, yahaha. There it is, there, there, oh there, yes, we answer, there, oh there. Ya-ha-ha-ha, ya-ha-ha. The child listened to the sounds of singing as the harvesters passed away out of sight, and then played among the flowers, surrounded by his personal attendants. The place was entirely deserted. When the sound of the singers had died away in the distance, there was profound silence. Suddenly, without the slightest warning, the war cry, Atua, Atua, was heard in all directions, and the little party was surrounded by armed men, the Orajones struggled valorously in defense of their precious charge, until they were all killed, 
when the young prince was carried off. Tokay Kapak waited to hear the result of his treacherous raid in his chief abode, called Ahuayra Kancha, or the place of woof and warp. When the raiders returned, they entered their chief's presence with the young prince, shouting, Behold the prisoner we have brought you. The chief said, Is this the child of Mama Mikay, who should have been my wife? The prince answered, I am the son of the great Inca Roca and of Mama Mikay. Unsoftened by his tender years, or by his likeness to his beautiful mother, the savage chief ordered the child to be taken out and killed. Then a strange thing happened. Surrounded by cruel enemies with no pitying eye to look upon him, young Kusi Hualpa, a child of eight years, stood up to defy them. He must show himself a child of the sun and maintain the honor of his race. With a look of indignation beyond his years, he uttered a curse upon his captors. His shrill young voice was heard amidst the portentous silence of his enemies. "'I tell you,' he cried, "'that as sure as you murder me, there will fall such a curse upon you and your children that you will all come to an end without any memory being left of your nation. He ceased, and to the astonishment of his captors, tears of blood flowed from his eyes. Yawar wakak! Yawar wakak! He weeps blood, they shouted in horror. His curse, and this unheard of phenomenon, filled the Ayamarcas with superstitious fear. They recoiled from the murder. Toke Kapak and his people thought that the curse from so young a child and the tears of blood betokened some great mystery. They dared not kill him. He stood up in the midst unhurt. Toke Kapak saw that his people would not kill the young prince then, or with their own hands at any time. Yet he did not give up his intention of gratifying his thirst for vengeance. He resolved to take the child's life by a course of starvation and exposure. He gave him into the charge of shepherds, who tended flocks of llamas on the lofty height overlooking the great plain of Suriti, where the climate is exceedingly rigorous. The shepherds had orders to reduce his food day by day until he died. Young Kusi Hualpa had the gift of making friends. The shepherds did not starve him, though for a year he was exposed to great hardships. No doubt, however, the life he led on those frozen heights improved his health and invigorated his frame. The Inca was told that his son had mysteriously disappeared and that his attendants were also missing. The Huaylican chief expressed sorrow and pretended that diligent searches had been made. Inca Roca suspected the Ayamarcas, but did not then attack them, lest, if the child was alive, they might kill him. As time went on, the bereaved father began to despair of ever seeing his beloved son again. Meanwhile, the prince was well watched by the shepherds, and by a strong guard which had been sent to ensure his remaining in unknown captivity. But help was at hand. One of the favorites of Tukay Kapak, named Chimpu Irma, or the Fallen Halo, had probably been a witness of the impressive scene when the child wept blood. At all events, she was filled with pity and the desire to befriend the forlorn prince. She was a native of Anta, a small town at no great distance from Cusco. As a friend of Toke Kapak, she was free to go where she liked, within his dominions and those of the chief of Anta, who was her father. Chimpu Irma persuaded her relations and friends at Anta to join with her in an attempt to rescue the young prince. It had been arranged by the shepherd and guards that on a certain day, some boys, including Kusi Hualpa, 
should have a race up to the top of a hill in front of the shepherd's huts. Hearing this, Chimpu Irma stationed her friends from Anta, well armed, on the other side of the same hill. The race was started, and the prince reached the summit first, where he was taken up in the arms of his Anta friends, who made a rapid retreat. The other boys gave the alarm, and the jailers, shepherds and guards, followed in chase. On the banks of a small lake, called Huailapunu, the men of Anta, finding that they were being overtaken, made a stand. There was a fierce battle, which resulted in the total defeat of the Ayamarcas. The men of Anta continued their journey, and brought the prince safely to their town, where he was received with great rejoicings. Kusi Walpa quite won the hearts of the people of Anta. They could not bear to part with him, and they kept him with great secrecy, delaying to send the joyful news to the Inca. Anta is a small town built up the side of a hill, which bounds the vast plain of Ceriti to the south. There is a glorious view from it, but the climate is severe. At last, after nearly a year, the Anta people sent messengers to inform the Inca. The child had been given up for lost. All hope had been abandoned. Roca examined the messengers himself, but still he felt doubt. He feared the news was too good to be true. He secretly sent a man he could trust, as one seeking charity, to Anta to find out the truth. The Inca's emissary returned with assurances that the young prince was certainly liberated, and was at Anta. The Inca at last gave way to rejoicing, all doubt being removed. Principal lords were sent with rich presents of gold and silver to the chief of Anta, requesting him to send back the heir to the throne. The chief replied that all his people wished that Cusihualpa could remain, for they felt much love for the boy, yet they were bound to restore him to his father. He declined to receive the presents, but he made one condition. It was that he and his people should be accepted as relations of the Inca. So the young prince came back to his parents and was joyfully received. Inca Roca then visited Anta in person, and declared that the chief and his people were, from henceforward, raised to the rank of Orihones. The Huilacans made abject submission, and, as Cusi Hualpa generously interceded for them, they were forgiven. End of section 56